So she says, what if we just work our way up to this? Like maybe start with a date. <laughs> I literally thought of a joke. I laughed so hard. <laughs> you laughed so hard at a joke you thought of on your own in your head? Yes, sir. Will you give me tread? <laughs> <laughs> I could like enough. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode. And forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Major Dad. Major Dad went 96 episodes with four seasons on CBS. They were talking about episode one, which was called Pilot, originally airing September 17th, 1989. To get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me as always, the boys, Gordo, Ferg, Nick, and Joe. What's going on, guys? Heyo. Mucho pardene, no boom boom. I knew it. I knew it. They have to. That's the best line of the whole thing. It'd be so funny, though, if I was like, will you marry me if that was the line that he used? <laughs> Works on hills. So before we even get going, I want to remind everyone, go to s1e1pod.com. That's where you can find all our social media. Rate, review, subscribe. You know all that stuff. Do that. Uh, we really appreciate it. I, I feel like we need to talk about it more at the beginning of the episodes. So hit us up. Send us messages. Let us know the shows you want us to cover, and we'll absolutely do that. We like interacting with all you guys. So s1e1pod.com. So as far as Major Dad goes, Joe, this was your pick. Any in particular reason why we're doing the show today? Yeah, I loved this show as a kid. I remember watching this a, a lot. Dick. Pardon me. I'm sorry <laughs> that I pick good 80s shows that nobody else seems to like anymore. But this was on a lot when we were kids. This was on like midday summer TV with like just the 10 of us and all these different sitcoms like after American Gladiators. There's five of us. Mm, Gordo. We can't do just a ton of us yet because we have not covered the show it spins off from, but we will do it eventually. But yeah, I loved the show as a kid. I thought it'd be interesting to watch as an adult. I had watched the pilot maybe a year ago because it just, you know, when like you're watching Hulu or something and it's like, your show's over, watch this. And sometimes you just like, don't change the channel. I was going to say, it's amazing how many things you've watched because Hulu suggested it to you. <laughs> sometimes I'm just like, I don't know. This is on Hulu? Mm. I don't remember if it's Hulu now. It was on Hulu at one point. It's streaming somewhere for sure. It was Tubi. It was definitely on Tubi. <laughs> it was Tubi. <laughs> yeah, probably Tubi. No, if it's CBS, isn't it? Isn't that Paramount Plus now? I don't know who owns what anymore. And... Yeah, it may. It's very confusing now with the monopoly of uh, streaming channels, but it, it's streaming somewhere for free that I have. This is one of those shows too where Major Dad went ninety six episodes, which kind of screws them out of like that syndication. Not that. It's not a set in stone rule that you need 100 episodes, but most kind of go by that. So if it had gone, because I think that's that's when they figure like, oh, this is worth it. Because, you know, you usually have to kind of hit that fifth season and then you cross the 100 episode mark. So they were like four episodes shy of the 100, which doesn't guarantee you syndication, but it heavily, heavily increases your odds. You make more money at 100, too. They could have thrown in a couple of clip shows here and there, maybe a episode where they do basic training somewhere else like a vacation episode they could have gone to disney like so many sitcoms did at this point in time but i'm sure that's very strategic by the companies though to be like we're gonna give you 24 episode seasons this way you have to cross to that next year for you to hit that mark although nowadays it's like 
you need to be on season 30 to get to 100 episodes. It is weird, though, I will say, in the history of shows and, like, this sort of show, this is a pretty forgotten show, right? But for a show to go four seasons on a major network and do 96 episodes, where now the norm is sort of, like, you do 10 episodes, you might get two or three seasons, and then it's over. Like, shows like this were, like, pretty big in the culture and the zeitgeist, you know what I mean? They were on for years, they had huge full seasons, made a lot of money on ad rates, and now you're just like, Major Dad, I sort of remember that. Like, they just get fucking forgotten, it's so weird. I kind of forgot about the show, you talked about it a couple times, but yeah, I mean, I don't even remember anything about the show i like remember it existing but i have no memories of it i don't know if i had watched it back in the day it's it's kind of fresh for me what threw me is the whole so in the end of this season takes place in this universe right but by the second season the second third and fourth or somewhere completely different they move so that i didn't realize when i was watching it i was like i don't remember this so much yeah they were like on like the base or whatever yeah and by the third season of the second season they move he becomes like a like a teacher or some sort or something, but they moved to like a different part, maybe like to DC or somewhere. Oh, so it like totally dad. upends itself. Instructor dad. <laughs> Instructor dad. Different show. <laughs> also, I did look it up ahead of time. Rotten Tomatoes, no score. Not enough reviews from people or uh, critics. IMDb, 6.5 is the average score for IMDb. I feel like that feels right. I feel like that's Way too, too high. high. You think that's too high? I think you guys are being a little hard on the show. We'll obviously get into it. Hold on, Jay. When you look up the IMDBs, do you look them up for the series? I go by full series. I kind of want to encompass the series as a whole. And then, because I feel like if I I tell everyone what the single episode scores, I feel like you're kind of tipping your hat a little bit. So I kind of like to just go, this is a popular show. This is a well-loved show. People hated the show. I I feel like that's kind of the better gauge, but I don't know. Okay. All right. No, that's fair. That's fair. I will say, though, we behind the curtain, let me talk about this. We all have, like, a chat that we're all in all the time. And sometimes I'll get everyone being like, fuck you, Joe, for picking this show. And sometimes I feel like that's totally justified, and I totally understand it. But this, to me, is, again, another, like, capital S sitcom. It is just straight down the line, easy to watch, 22 minutes, jokes, situation, characters were out sitcom. And everyone yells at me. But then we get stuck with 29-minute fucking shows that are on streaming channels that, like, everyone just can't stand. This is not a problem. This is a decent, easy, breezy watch. I'm picking watch. the longest shows I can find now, because that apparently is the only thing that upsets you. And Ferg will be hosting those shows. <laughs> if I see anything over 2215 or whatever on the screen, when I start to do my notes, I, like, throw my bottle across the room. Like, how fucking dare you? Imagine how I feel. I like covering a more classic style sitcom. Whether or not we like it or not, how we rate them is a a different thing. But I feel like what is considered a sitcom now versus what was a sitcom. Like, I like this three camera, old school style. I do too. You know, I think that's what a sitcom is in my brain. And a lot of other shows that we've covered, which are good shows. You know, we did a couple recently, like Baskets. and Not sitcoms. They're comedies. And even Baskets is kind of like on that line, but like we've done a lot of shows that are comedies, but they're not, they don't feel like sitcoms. Oddly, weirdly, somebody sent me a Martha from Baskets. Like I forget the actor's name, but like it was like her stand up special. Martha. Her real name. Her real name is also Martha. Is her real name actually Martha? Yeah. Martha Stewart. It's Martha Stewart. No. Somebody else made a different Martha Stewart thing the other day, but it was very funny. Her comedy is very good. It, weirdly, it popped up yesterday. Someone sent it to me. It's funny. I think Major Dad had come up when we did Golden Palace because this was one of the shows that in 93 
when CBS was trying to counter TGIF, they had the lineup that was Golden Palace, Newhart, uh, Designing Women, and Major Dad. <laughs> Which, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> the best two hours of television of all time. Well, like, every show got canceled immediately after. Like, they canceled three out of the four. I think it was, like, Newhart was the only one that survived. Speaking of that, too, Gerald McRaney, Major Dad himself, do you know who he's married to? Newhart? Delta Burke. <laughs> From Designing Women, the actual I Do Declare, so I actually get a chance to do I Do Declare in this episode. Now, this is way better if he's married to Bob Neal. Right. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that'd be, a, that'd be a more fun story. I'd still say I Do Declare at that. Yeah. But. And then we could cover Bob Hart Major. <laughs> Wait, Major Hart's Abishola? Did we just create a new show that should be coming soon? New Hart Major. New Hart yeah. Major, Ab- new Hart Major Abishola, they're a polyamorous thruple, and we get a sex scene. <laughs> if you say so I will put my whole bank account into this that doesn't happen in your average <laughs> we're going blue I don't care so alright let's 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 get into the episode itself so we start with the intro and we see the name played on a desk for Major J.D. McGillis and then you see like a little girl's arm like come up and over his name has like a little handwritten sign that says dad so now it just reads Major Dad instead and the music's like, I don't know if it's the official military fight song or if it just replicates it because it does shift. I think it's a Marine song specifically. I didn't know if it was an official one or was a sound alike to be that way. I don't way think because... they'd be allowed to use that. Well, that's probably public domain. I think it's public domain at this point. Yeah, yeah, it, would, yeah. it would probably be public domain, but the music does shift because what you get, um, you see some clips of him like kind of doing like his a ten hut and what I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not overly familiar with a lot of like military dialogue. I don't know if anybody's paid attention for a long time, but none of us are ex-service people. I don't know if you can tell by looking at us. Not the best military knowledge. The music does soften up because there's a point in the intro where they show clips of the girls, and the music does change when that part happens. So I felt like even if it was an official song, that it was composed in a way to like be a, a medley with something else midway through. So I think it works. Yeah, it does what it needs to do. It, the, the music fits the, the theme of the show. They show you clips. I mean, it's fine. Okay, this is also one of those shows where this happens to us a lot, where I think the, the theme is so good for any episode that's not the pilot. Like, you know, sometimes in these, you're like, this is a great thing if you're jumping into the show, but I feel like it's too much information. The theme kind of tips, tips it off. The little dip scene. Yeah. When he does the like, weird, like, sexy dip to her, I go, I know what's coming. <laughs> well yeah the fact that you see him in like that this is his family obviously tips off a lot this you know the pilot's definitely a bit of a origin story i don't know how episode two goes if there's a big jump or not it should have just been him at a, a carnival like in a step by step but him alone <laughs> he's waving on a roller coaster by himself <laughs> to nobody the end of the intro there's a point where you know, like, it's kind of the family photo, but it's it's live. And then the, the youngest daughter, who he's holding on his arms, grabs his, like, military cap and, like, takes it off and puts it on her head. That there was, like, a little bit of blowback from the actual Marines. So eventually, like, by the third season, they changed it. <laughs> so it's not there anymore. That's insane. They thought it was disrespectful. I mean, the uniform, like, in military, I mean, like, there's a lot of prestige and, like, things that go along with it. So they just felt like they were disrespecting the, the 
the whole okay look i get it but is this fucking stolen valor that the little girl in the sitcom grabs his hat i don't fucking think so i get it but it's not my world so i mean i don't know the the like the history behind it and everything it means so like i'm i don't have a horse in the race so i'm mean, sure i don't either i'm not to be disrespectful but that just seems insane when we let a guy named sergeant slaughter say he was a marine drill sergeant for like 40 years who was never in the army and marines are just like that's fucking fine though who cares he's very embraced though because he was gi joe yeah and i love gi joe and i love but sergeant he was slaughter. responsible for a positive image so was major dad no he was not he got his hat taken by a little girl the scene where he explains what the why the military should be trained and ready i think that is a very positive I wrote, light. I, yeah we'll, we'll get that yeah no I, I, do I, agree. I specifically wrote like good writing in my notes at the time i, I thought a, a lot of the writing in this episode was pretty decent but i'm just saying that compared to sergeant slaughter major dad is not even in the race here yeah but sergeant slaughter still walks around being like Addies, and you're like you're just a guy named bob but you're not a fucking army guy yeah last i remember sergeant slaughter was an iraqi sympathizer so that is true. He did pledge his allegiance to Saddam, but then at one point he wanted his country back. Yeah. <laughs> Major Dad was USA for all four seasons. Well, you're CBS, but you get what I mean. <laughs> now, if we could cross this over with the show I did want to do that we can't find a good enough version for learning the ropes, and we actually had a wrestling match between Major Dad and Sergeant Slaughter, now that I would pay for. Maybe we should reach out to the fans. <laughs> if any of you have a a good quality copy of learning the ropes. We would love to get our hands on it. Nobody has that. Somebody might have it. Maybe someone in Canada. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Canada is a little bit better. Joe will pay you handsomely for it. No, no, no. I will pay you handsomely for the whole season. If you have just one episode, I will pay you a little bit. If you can get us the whole season that I can watch, handsome comes into play. But yeah, no, we want to cover that show at some point, but uh, the quality of the, own like the pilot that's available online is so bad that i know it will actually affect how we rate the show uh, i i did some searching too and you basically just keep finding the same version over and yeah. over again it is like somebody x-rayed a vhs and then played it and recorded it with an old phone and it's just like the worst thing i've ever seen I watched it, too, and they're doing, like, jokes when they're in the high school and everything with the daughter, and, like, the audio is so bad that you actually miss some of the dialogue of the jokes. We're like, we couldn't cover it. It just doesn't work. Yeah, it was unfortunate because, like, oh, good, I found it easier than I thought. I'm like, we can't use this. Hold on, but, hold on. Question. Not to be stupid. Who wrote, what company does that show belong to? Learning the Ropes? Yeah. Nobody was a syndication-only show. All right, that's a problem. Because I was going to say, maybe us as television sitcom critics can reach out to the production house and maybe they will generously if that exists if that production house even exists somebody's gotta own the tapes i mean somebody might i mean it's never been syndicated past its initial run and it was a syndication like a first run syndication show which is pretty pretty rare but it does happen the way things are going disney probably owns it <laughs> probably <laughs> Well, to be fair, though, the agreement with that show also was like a hand-in-hand 50-50, thank you, with Jim Crockett Promotions, which means that WWE might actually somehow have fallen into the rights for it, which is interesting. Maybe we should reach out to, to our good friend Triple H. Get me Vincent Kennedy McMahon on the phone. <laughs> I think we need to table some of this conversation for the, for the group chat, because I think those who want to hear us cover this episode probably... I uh, have had enough of this show that we, we can't even tell them to go watch. So it's like we can only talk about it so much. So the first scene, we start in 
is it like a recruiter's office? Like, I don't completely understand the dynamic of where they are. It seems like they're just on a base somewhere, and this is their office on the base. Yeah, it's just a base. Because yeah, he's like a, a training drill sergeant type character, so this is just where his offices are. And uh, in the front office, we see Polly, who's a reporter, and she's talking to the secretary, Esther, waiting for the major to show up. And while they're talking, Polly mentions that he sounds like he's a real Marine talking about the major and Esther's like, oh yeah, and I really like Marines. They're polite, respectful, and very friendly. And then no sooner does she say that, you see the major storming straight through the door, knocking it down like he's RoboCop and just uh, marching into his office. Speaking of wrestling, RoboCop. Yeah. This would have been right around the time of RoboCop 2 as well. I like the gag of the the door breaking down. The door I thought thought was was funny, yeah. I thought it was terrible. It seemed a little extreme, but I I thought it it was fine. I liked it because you knew when it happened it was going to be paid off later again too like you see something like that you're like okay this is gonna be another joke later on in the episode yeah yeah it's gonna be a running gag now right here it starts i just want to mention we've done this talk about this a lot and what we do there i don't know if they liquored up the audience i don't know what they did this is one of the wildest crowd reaction shows we've ever done there's like two or three people who were losing their fucking mind there's a guy who laughs like scooby-doo yeah I have it written in a few different places where I'm like, oh, there's that laugh again. There's that laugh again. Yeah, exactly. There's a joke that I don't even find remotely funny. Like later on, the the audience goes nuts. It's the part with the little girls just standing there looking at them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I had that written down. They go crazy at that part. I'm like, why is this funny? When's the joke happening? Yeah, the crowd just seems to be like, it's always that girl, too. Like, they always do it for her, too. Like, she's, like, weirdly magnetic to the audience for some reason. Uh, and the major, he's Major uh, McGillis, and he's, like, the main character of the show. And so now we're in his office, and he's scolding one of the lieutenants over an incident over a demonstration that went wrong. And I guess the problem was just that there was no ammo. I don't remember all, like, the specifics, or some of it might have gone over my head, but there was no ammo at this demonstration. They had Peruvian diplomats coming, and they were going to show them a show of force with ammunition and guns it was an artillery um demonstration yeah all the artillery they had so they're gonna shoot cannons and stuff but then none of them had any shells in them so as he had to explain to them no boom boom oh, they racistly says he knows spanish mucho pardone <laughs> and i like when uh mcgillis is yelling at him and because <laughs> he's like <laughs> he's like next time i want boom boom <laughs> That's when I really was back into this show again, too, where I was like, I really think this is funny. And it's like, next time I want Boom Boom, I was like, I'm so sold back into the show immediately. By the way, did you guys notice at the start of that scene when he's lined up and he goes to like start with that, he can't hold back his smile? Yeah, I did notice yeah, that. Yeah, he smiled a little bit. He does it three separate times in he the does episode. It to, I've noticed that. There's yeah. a couple points where he smiles in the episode, yeah. And he dismisses the lieutenant, and Esther enters in, like, right as he's leaving, and hands him his coffee, which he calls plasma. I've heard that before. Plasma? Plasma. Referring to your coffee as plasma. I've heard that. Yeah. She tells him about the reporter, and he, he says, oh, we'll send him off. And Esther's like, oh, no. Um, she insists on meeting a real Marine. He's like, uh, all right, give her five minutes. She's like, uh, I'll give you ten. She's a real looker. So that's when Polly enters, and the two introduce themselves to one another. And she tells him that sitting with the man who can snap her neck is a little bit different. He's like, is that still our public image? Time bombs and uniforms, battlefield robots, gun-ho wild men. She's like, well, how would you describe yourselves? He goes, warrior gods. Time bombs and uniforms seems very apt, though. And now that we're like 30 years later and know more about PTSD, we're like, they're making a joke about it. We were like, "Mm, I don't know, war kind of fucks you up. Yeah, but to be fair, 
they are kind of warrior gods. Thank you for your service. One of us cares. Gordo, if you could just stop licking that boot for a second and get back to this podcast, it'd be really good for the rest of us. <laughs> warrior god sounds a little extreme. I think anytime any any human refers to themselves as a god is always a little odd. But no, it's funny. To be fair, the Marines have an image of a a very fierce fighting force. So I think that track. She notes that the size of this like combat school has tripled as of late and asks if they're preparing for something like a war. And he tells her how, you know, they're there to prevent war and that this is all part of their peace offensive. And she's like, well, isn't that like a contradiction of words? And that's when he shuts the door and tells her to stand up. And she's like, people know I'm here. And <laughs> he's like, come at me. And she's like, no, it's like, I'm not going to come at you because you're going to, you know, you're going to pull something. He's like, cause you know, she's like, that's what you're trained to do. So he's like, all right. So because I'm trained, you won't attack. Right. And that's the peace offensive. So I thought that was actually good writing there. Like, I think it's good writing the way it was all explained and stuff like that was, um, because I don't think you need to have military know-how to write that, but it was like just a smart explanation for the situation. Yeah, and they didn't do the thing that these shows would always do at the time where they'd be like, military intelligence, isn't that a contradiction in terms? Like, yeah. when you watch 80s movies for, about the military, they always, like, lean on that joke. And, like, they that's, avoided that's that specific and had yeah. good writing instead, yeah. But you know what wasn't good writing was the fact that she equated combat school size numbers growing, equating it to war when the Marines have nothing to do with declaring war or anything like that like you'd know no i think in her brain she's like why is why all of a sudden is there an influx in people you're bringing in are you preparing for something but i don't think that that's i don't know i don't think that that's really something that like the marines do i think you just kind of get put into it i think the knowledge if you're gonna do something though and you need to bolster your numbers i imagine it comes up from higher down to the organization mm. to be like hey train better we're gonna do something the, the higher ups, though, are the, like the president in Congress. Like, you, you know what I mean? None of that would have anything to do with recruitment numbers, though. That would just people happen to sign up. Well, no, because they, they go through more. They, there's advertising stuff. If you remember, there used to be like all the military recruitment stuff that would play like in the movies. Oh, they yeah. play Godsmack. Nick almost signed up because he loves Godsmack so much. It's true. <laughs> Instead, he just got the belly button tattoo and decided not to join the army. I got it. I got it on my butthole, though. Stand alone. <laughs> Nick is an Nick's butthole is an army of one. <laughs> she asks if there's anything that they should worry about, and I'm just looking it up now. Depending on what part of '89 they're in, I mean, there was Panama, but then the Gulf War starts right after this. Yes, yeah, '91, right? When was Desert Storm? Right around. I think '91. Right there, I think. Yeah. I will say, aside from Panama and like, you know, there's always going to be stuff, right? Like there's Iran-Contra and all sorts of stuff going on in the 80s. But like Vietnam ostensibly ended in like 75 and then the next war war was like 91. So if you're going to join the army, you're in a relative relative peacetime versus where we've been in a forever war since 2001. It will never not be in a war at this point. But yeah, again, I just think it's public perception, Gordo. It's not so much that. It's not like big investigative journalism. She's just like, hmm. Like, like you just think like on an outside if you're not. If you just see, like, an influx of all these people coming, you're like, what's this all about? Also, don't forget, too, the easiness of, A, this is a sitcom from the 80s, and, B, they're trying to set up the classic fish-out-of-water scenario. Like, he's tough and more right-wing and single, and she's a, a mom who doesn't have a, you know, like, whatever. She's liberal, and she's a reporter. Like, I think they're just trying to set up that they're two separate sides of the coin enough that you, like, understand it. 
Also, I will say too, did anybody get super coach vibes from right here? I did, and I don't yeah. know why, but I think I did get coach vibes, and I think it's just because uh, the main character here and Craig T. Nelson are just kind of similar in their, you know, just the way they act, really. Like stoic type of individuals. Yeah, right. But also the it, the series opens with them and a reporter who get together. That's, That's true, true, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she does try to sneak a shot at him after saying no, she wouldn't, and he blocks her, and they do that, like, spin and then dip, which we said is in the intro. Yeah, they do like, it's like a tango. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a ballroom dancing dip. It's very Adam's family. Ruined. Stupid intro. Yeah, it would have been great if I didn't do that. The intro should just be him with the sword, and like the and it should say Major Dad, and that should be it. And then every other episode should have this stuff. I it. prefer, in general, intros when they don't use clips from the show. They should be like DuckTales, because no scene in DuckTales is in the intro. Or step by step. You know, you just film something for the intro. I agree. I hate when they do that. Yeah, Full House is another classic one, right? Where it's just like, hey, we're playing football and driving in a car. You see the people, but you don't ruin anything for the show. And I think what happens with us where we watch pilots all the time, when they make these intros, they don't have a lot of footage yet to go off of. Right. So it's always that episode. They tend to be pilot-heavy clips, so we're seeing too much stuff from the episode we're about to watch. I'm not sure if there was more, but that was the one that stood out to me was the dip one that I, I noticed. No, the girls in the sleepover stood out to me the most. That was in the intro, too? Yes. Okay. Them right, getting up and running away. Mom, make him leave. We're in our bathrobes. I thought it was so fucking funny. I know where we get there, but I just thought that was so good. To go back to this, though, when after the dip, she seemed like a little, I don't know. Oh, she was horny. So, like, when she sits down, she, like, can't get her bearings together and, like, goes to pull a pen out of her bag and instead pulls out a banana to write on a piece of paper. I think that's a, obviously a phallic reference. Um, yeah, she has a big boner. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe a little inadvertently. Ferg, you're a big banana fan. Were you happy to see that? <sighs> no, I was too distracted that she sat on her bag and almost fell out of the chair. <laughs> <laughs> so now the the next scene, the two are walking back to the like front office kind of area, and we hear the major telling her that he's gonna you know he's gonna take her on a tour around the place. Uh, makes a joke in there too about like telling Esther to go grab the uh, tank, and he's like, no, we're gonna take my car. I really like his cadence. He's like very militant, but he's got like a charm about him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. At this point, we enter Major Smiley, who's there to like kind of intercept this interview. He wants to kind of take over. But instead, Polly and M Major McGillis just kind of disregard his request and head out. And once they're gone, Smiley seems worried about, you know, a good looking reporter and talking to a loose lipped major like McGillis. And Esther defends them and says no woman alive can shake his composure. And as soon as she says that, you see him march right back in because he forgot his keys. So, like, obviously, this girl has him a little distracted. That's, I think, when you get the first, like, little break that he's, like, a regular person, too. Because he doesn't come back in being, like, I forgot my keys. He's, yeah. like, sheepish about it. You know, it's, I think he does a really good job of breaking up the two characters there. Also, Tim Thomerson, who plays, is it Major Smiley? Yeah, yeah, Smiley's it also is Major, Major Smiley as well, yeah. Ferg is a horror movie guy. He's in Near Dark in all of the Trancers movies. I don't think I've seen the Trances movies. Oh, the Trances that's movies. weird. I thought you were a horror movie fan. You poster. Jay, he's also in Brain Smash, the Andrew Dice Clay movie. Oh. And a few years before this, Uncommon Valor, one of my favorite. I thought you were an Andrew Dice Clay fan. I, I am <laughs> consistently surprised by how much content Joe can consume. <laughs> so he has much. seen everything that nobody else has seen, but like also a bunch that it's just 
so much stuff you've seen. It's wild. I have a poster on my wall of the movie Uncommon Valor that he's in that I found at like a junk shop, which is like the first of the we're going back to Vietnam to get back our guys type movie that he's in too. Like I, he's, I've seen a lot of this dude's work. You do understand that Joe's not one to go outside a lot. So <laughs> his time is spent watching television. I have two porches. And I spent a lot of my time reading and playing guitar. Okay, so... I was going to follow up saying, a big day for Joe is when they go out on the porch, and that's a day outside. <laughs> no, no, no. A good day... We go out and run errands and do things, and I go out into the world. I walk then... to Starbucks at least once a day. There's a Home Depot in town. I relax on the porch when I'm done with things. And lately, like I said to you guys the other day, I listen to the radio, the terrestrial radio station that just plays 80s songs. And then I yell at them and get mad at them if they play a song that's either from the 70s or the 90s. That was half my day the other day. I was like, oh, Spin Doctors, this is 1990. You're fucking lying to me right now. It's like, I was so worked up about it. I hope you called the DJ. I can't because it's a Frank FM. So they make it sound like it's a real person where it's like, hey, this is Frank for Frank FM. And you're like, that's not a real guy. That's all programmed. There's nobody in that fucking radio and station. I hope Frank's not listening to us right now. He's like, oh, <laughs> like Frank FM. He's like, I liked Joe. I'm sorry about the spin doctors. That's also when I found out where they played more 90s songs and I got mad that the singer of uh, Four Non Blondes is married to um, Darlene from Roseanne. Oh, really? Yeah, I did not know that. And they made a children's album together. See, when you listen to the regular radio, you learn a lot of interesting things. Yeah, I'm sure there's nowhere on the internet that would have had that information. Only Frank <laughs> FM But knew. what would have made you look for it? <laughs> would you have looked for it without Frank? <laughs> Thank you, Frank, for your service. I appreciate you. Semper Fi, Frank. Semper Fi. So uh, now we, we cut to the following day and the paper's in. And you see everyone in the office is reading it. You have, like, Esther and a bunch of, like, the younger Marines. And they're all holding the papers up, and you can just tell by their reaction that it's not good. Then Esther's like, she killed us, she ripped us to shreds, she drank our coffee! At this point, all I can think of is that Esther just feels like a Rachel Dratch character from the 90s. I thought the same thing! She talks just like Rachel Dratch! Okay, I'm glad you thought the same thing when she said, she drank our coffee! I was like, this is fucking Rachel Dratch. Who is Rachel Dratch? She's from uh, SNL, she's Debbie Downer. Oh, okay. He doesn't know what that is. No, nope. I don't. <laughs> uh, you remember on SNL in the when we were like in high school, they did all those sketches that were people from Boston. Her and Jimmy Fallon were doing them. It's like her and Jimmy Fallon. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I do. Her. I do. Okay, it's her. Okay. So now I'm also lying, but okay. Yeah, I, I was gonna say you <laughs> I still was gonna know. say, but I don't want to call him out. <laughs> but moving times. right along, if you don't know those two things, really yeah, if you don't know that or Debbie Downer, you probably don't know anything lesser than that. Yeah. So Esther was about to go check in on the major, but she's told by one of the guys, you know, anyone who walks in there right now, you have to be a world-class idiot. And that's when you cue Smiley entering right through the front door and heading straight into the office. And now the two majors are talking and Smiley says that, you know, the article says that, you know, they take kids and groom them to kill. He's like, isn't that what we do? Like, that's only part of what we do. I legit lolled here. I laughed so fucking hard at this joke and they both play it so well. And Smiley goes on to say how this isn't good for their image. You know, the few, the proud. And McGillis says, you know, that he's going to get on top of this. And ask Esther to get the reporter and, uh, on the phone. And Smiley says, no, I'm going to take over this now. Like, you leave it to me. And storms off. But Esther had already put, you know, her on the line. So when he leaves, the major gets, gets a hold of her. And when he starts to talk to her, says, you know, hey, we need to talk. And they're trying to find a time that works. But he has like a Soviet weapons thing. And then she has ballet. They're kind of going back and forth. And again, this is. So like you mentioned earlier, you're showing the contrast, right? How different their lives are. 
yeah, I, I like this, and and it sets it up to like again, it, this is very much an opposites attract scenario. Like that's right. the plan here. I do like you said I have to cross the stream, and he goes, "Well, it's a wide stream." Does that mean something that I don't get? It was a time joke because she was like, "From five to six, I'm crossing a stream," and I'm you're. I think you're to assume that she's like, it takes that long to cross a stream. So his response is, "It's a very yeah. wide stream." Like as in going across a body of water. Yeah. Yes. He's like training people to yes. do that. Oh, okay. That was my inference from it. I could be way off. That's what no, I gathered. I mean, that's what I assumed too. Much different crossing the stream and much different major dad if he's not crossing an actual body of water. Also weird that Ferg already mentioned Gozer the Gozerian and now we're talking <laughs> yeah, about crossing the, the stream. <laughs> I'm part of that franchise, by the way. Ghostbusters. I wouldn't say that's correct, but but you have forced eight by tens that you created of yourself in that terrible movie onto hey. at least two people that we know of so far. I'm going to give you some insider information about a lot of people's eight by tens. A lot of people make them themselves. If uh, yeah, a lot of people are actually in movies, I'm in a movie. You were walking in the background of a terrible, terrible remake. I don't know if I'd even call that a movie. I'll tell you this. Here's a fact. Jay Gags was paid more to be in Ghostbusters 2016 then John Candy was paid to be in Home Alone. Fact. John Candy worked a single day on Home Alone. That's why. Facts are facts. What'd you get paid? I forget the exact rate, but because the hours were so long and I was there for like a week, it was like low wage, but I did big hours for like six days straight or whatever. So I ended up like after taxes taking home like 900 bucks or something like that. It wasn't that bad for like a week's work to just hang out on a movie set and get fed snacks and lunch every day. Oh, you thought I was going to say something much smaller, didn't you? I mean, that's an hundred dollars is a decent amount of money, but also not for a whole week of being in the worst movie ever. <laughs> I thought it was a very fun experience. But anyways, to get back into this. If, but if what if you were in Trancers 3, what do you think you've been paid for that? <laughs> <laughs> so eventually they land on meeting at six o'clock and the call ends with her asking what I assume she was asking, like, what's your thought on the piece? Because you're only getting the conversation from his perspective. You don't hear her over the line or anything. And uh, he says he's never misread a person so badly in his life and hangs up the phone. You can tell he was, like, um, hurt by the piece. So now the lieutenant enters and asks him what his thoughts on the article was. And that's when the major informs him that he's going to be meeting with the reporter later tonight. And the lieutenant says, oh, nice. I got a hot date from it, too. Warrior gods. All right. <laughs> he does, like, a little kick thing. Like I do like that there. I mean, like, that's the thing you're waiting for, too. It's, like, the marine, oorah, manly bullshit stuff. Like, I do like that they're making that he's not like that, but everyone around him is. So you get sort of the, this is the impression people have, and this is how different he is. Like, it helps to differentiate his character more. Putting a lot of thought into Major Dad this week, and I don't know why. <laughs> so in the next scene, we cut to Polly's house, and her and her three daughters are setting the table up together. And the oldest asks if she can go to a sleepover at her friend's house, which was originally approved by her mother until she found out that it was an unsupervised one. And during the conversation, we hear the doorbell ring and the youngest daughter goes to get the door, which um, you shouldn't let her do that. She was way too young to get the door alone. Different times. In this house of children, you know, like by themselves. Yeah. Mm. She doesn't actually get the door. She goes to the window and looks at who it is first. I'm sure if it was a serial killer, she wouldn't have opened it. But she saw G.I. Joe. But what if this movie was called The Marine and it wasn't John Cena? It was Major McGillis and he started stabbing this little girl. That's a horror movie, too. Yeah, she does, she does run back and go, wow, it's G.I. Joe. Speaking of Bob Renus. Speaking of Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. yeah. So Polly heads to the door and lets him in and introduces him to her children. 
and they all kind of like stare at him for a moment after saying hello. And Polly's like, all right, you can stare at him more at dinner. Like, you know, head over to the table. And the major had no plans to be there for dinner. He just thought the two of them were going to talk. And he's like, hey, wait, hey, what? Like, we, I thought we were talking. She's like, yeah, we can talk at dinner. Um, What was her motive, do you think, at that point when she invites him for dinner like this? That's weird, right? Yeah. yeah. Like with the kids and everything, like, hey, we need to talk about this article. And she's like, okay, come over for dinner. I think she knows he's mad and she's trying to like calm him down. But it was like, a, it's a strange setup, right? To put him in that situation. Because you obviously can't talk about the situation much because your kids are there. I wanted to get into this towards the end of the episode. But it's, I don't know why they did the pilot like this. Because the name of the show is Major Dad, right? They're obviously setting up what's going to happen, right? And they're rushing the shit out of it. They're not doing it uh, any Great. justice. But like, they should have just done like a, maybe just like a, a quick, I can't think of the terminology I'm trying to find right now, but just like a quick, you know, look back, like, oh, here's how we met. Here's why we got married so quickly. Blah, blah, blah. It did not need to be a whole episode that was rushed in 23 minutes the way they did this. And that's why this dinner is happening is they're, they're trying to rush the progression of their relationship. And it's really, I think though the last end scene where he will get to it, but what he explains yeah. and what he does, I think they, they make the writing work for how it ends. No, it definitely doesn't work. I think that was like the worst part of it, honestly. Me I too. Just, I don't know why they couldn't have either dragged that out longer, maybe over the course of a couple episodes or something like that, or done a better job of getting it done quickly and then proceeding with the story as they wanted it to. There's different ways you can approach this. You can do the show where they're already together, and then down the road in the season, you do an origin like look back episode where they're like, for whatever reason, have to explain their story and you have cutbacks. They could do that kind of thing. I don't mind this. It wasn't that, I mean, it was, it's rushed, right? Like getting from A to B in this episode is a little rushed, but this, this to me just didn't make sense. That's the problem with it. And that's the thing is like, yeah. do you, nobody believes that she's not going to say yes, right? It's the point of the show. It's in the intro. Like it's the name of the show. Why waste time on it is what I, I don't so too, but I know we talk about this sometimes too, but I wonder if the initial airing didn't have the same intro yeah that happens sometimes yeah that's true yeah you know because if i will say a lot of the things we've complained about so far would be thought of differently if we found out the original intro was just like major dad and then just went into it <laughs> just knowing the name of the show the, yeah. the name of the show already tells you where it's going but but it doesn't i mean it's just one episode it's it's not about shows like this aren't about surprising you you know what I mean? That's not really the point. This isn't Breaking Bad. So it's okay if you kind of know where it's going to end no, up. No, this because... is Major Dad. Right, but we already know. Why not just pick up there? You know, it's like, okay, Coach, for example. It's like he's fucking flipping burgers somewhere and somebody's like, oh, uh, how do you feel about football? And then they rushed him becoming a fucking college football coach for no reason. I will say, to play devil's advocate, a show we have brought up before, which has a name that gives everything away and the entire episode is like this sort of as well, is Step by Step. Yeah, right. Okay, but they did a better job of it. They were away. They came back, and you find out that they got married on vacation. Exactly. They at least had time progress. This happens in real time over the matter of two days. That's true. This is very quick. It made me roll my eyes, but... But I do, I do think they do decent writing to explain it all towards the end, personally. I disagree by a lot. I would have had them get drunk and get married by accident and be like, uh, and then realize they still love each other and let's give this a shot or something like that. That is a show. Is that Dharma and Greg? I think that's literally Dharma and Greg. Have we ever done Dharma and Greg? 
No. no. Okay, I was going to say, do I remember that? Is that part of Joe's lost period? Because I don't remember that at all. <laughs> now, does this mean that their father who's absentee is a minor dad? He's, he's dead. Yeah, he's dead, Joe. Oh, he's dead? Did I miss yeah, it? He has... was dead? Yeah, he's a, she's You're a the one who watched the show and you don't know that? I just thought he wasn't in the picture. I totally missed the point where they said he was dead. No, he's like six feet under the picture. He was murdered by a Marine. That's what makes this whole thing so bittersweet. <laughs> That's an episode of KIA, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> this got dark fast. Osama bin Dadden didn't make it through the... <laughs> <laughs> so to move on from this, uh, there's a point where it was brought up earlier. So now the mom and the two oldest daughters are heading to the kitchen to grab everything for dinner to bring out to the table. And it just leaves the major and the youngest daughters just standing there in like awkward silence. And yeah, the crowd loved it. They loved it. It was just awkward silence. That's all. I was waiting for him to notice or something. And that would like, then the joke would happen. They would just laugh and there was no payoff. It was just that it was uncomfortable. That's all they were showing you is that it was like awkward for him to be in that moment. And that this is where that one guy who is like whatever boozed up or something. There's two see two parts of this scene. One where the girl goes, he has no hair, and then where she just stares at him. That guy fucking loses his mind. I want to hire that guy to have him come sit in with like his screen off as like the sixth member of this podcast and just laugh whenever we make jokes. I feel like it would be amazing. <laughs> but the guy in the Tom Green show who sits next to him and just laughs the whole time. Oh my god, we should do that. We should hire people to do laugh track. Go on Fiverr or something and find a <laughs> weekly laugher. You could just download a laugh track. You don't need actual people. That's not the same. Come on, we need to. No, 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 no. Because then we can't put filmed in front of a live studio audience. You can do that. You can say it with your voice. And we could do it anyways. What are we gonna get sued? <laughs> so, anyways, to move on, they get to the dinner table. Everyone's there. The you know and. Polly's like, hope you like girl food. By girl food, she means just a giant salad. All right, I should cancel this show based on just this alone. Fucking salad for dinner? Just salad for dinner? <laughs> I, I, I thought of Ferg when I saw Yeah, it. what happens is... <laughs> for our fans who don't know, Ferg is legitimately uh, mentally allergic to vegetables. He's Kevin from The Office. <laughs> I don't care. No, I, I'll eat a nice Caesar salad. But as your meal? No, fuck you. You have a guest too and you just serve them salad? If you invite somebody over and that's just a meal, but maybe they're just low on money and that's easy. I'll give it to Ferg. It wasn't a good salad. Like, at least do something to this salad to make it dinner worthy. (laughs) This is just mescaline greens. It looks like honeymoon salad. Honeymoon salad? A light dish so you can fuck. No, no, no. Honeymoon salad? You never heard of this joke before? Come on. No. Yeah, you have honeymoon salad. Lettuce alone. (laughs) I didn't even hear it. He laughed through it. Let us what? Let us alone. Let us alone. Because it's the honeymoon. Let us alone. Because they're fucking. Come on, man. I love a good pun. All right, just to set this up for everybody listening who hasn't seen this, which I'm sure is the majority of you. The major gives his plate to Polly. And she has a big bowl of salad. And she goes to give him like a scoop. And when there's like the first scoop in, he's like, oh, that's fine. That's enough. She's like, that's all you're going to have? He's like, yeah, I want to save room for the main course. She's like, this is the main course. And then he shoves the plate back at her and needs like, I don't know, a comically large amount of salad on the plate. But this also gets some more crazy crowd laughs when he has like the pile of salad. But even then, that much salad is not going to fill you if that's all you're eating for dinner. There's no dressing. There's no dressing, even on the table. She might have tossed, uh, like, a vinaigrette <laughs> in the... That might have been tossed in the bowl ahead of time. 
It wasn't. It was very dry, leafy. It green. looks pretty dry. But also, even if you toss something into the salad while you're making it, usually you have some on the side because you can't. I don't use a ton of salad dressing personally, but I like to taste the salad dressing. And if you have like a salad where they like toss it all together, sometimes you still need a little extra on the side. I want to know, rude. Ferg, you don't have the game face for a scenario like this. If you were invited over some girl's house and you were like trying to court her and she did this, could you swallow that for the night and not bring it up? I know he couldn't. I know he couldn't. No. Yeah, I don't see it working. Yeah. No. What's wrong with you? <laughs> he just leaves. <laughs> no, you would try to get like you'd try to get smart about it and be like, oops, just drop it on the floor. <laughs> the whole bowl though, the giant bowl of salad. All right. I would take his original portion and try to eat it or as little as possible. I'm like, oh, I'm full. And then my stomach would growl all night every time we tried to kiss and that would be embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want honey? I can make you some more salad. Look, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Apparently you want to fucking date a rabbit. So it sounds good. Do we have rabbit? We have rabbit for dinner. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think it's rude to serve somebody salad for dinner. I think it's a weird move. And the fact that she's like, want some girl food? Like, this is some... <laughs> like, it's like yeah, a that's weird an odd... <laughs> that's a 1989 joke that would not happen now. In all fairness, he never planned on eating that, so maybe he has dinner plans for later. He should have went with that. This seems like a classic, though. He stopped at a drive-thru on the way home, and he's just, like, sad eating a double burger, listening to, like, classic rock radio as he drives back to the base. That doesn't sound sad at all to me. It actually sounds like a really wow. good time, yeah. There's so many times where if you go somewhere where it's like a higher end place and you drop like decent money on dinner and you just leave like, I need to go get a burger now. This is terrible. There was a point uh, recently when uh, me and Ferg were in LA and I, 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 I legitimately felt bad for Ferg in this moment. We're, we're out in LA and I'm like, I have to try some sushi while I'm out here. So we went to a pretty good sushi spot and Ferg's not a fan. He asks if um, he can just have some white rice and they tell him no, which like shocked me because like they were like, <laughs> they were that high end of a spot that like you order what's on the menu or nothing. That's fucking insane. Even me, I ordered like their meal, which is, you know, not cheap, but I left there like needing a burger because it's not going to fill you. Sushi never does. Oh, the amount I do does, but not at that price point, so... I would have paid them to take sushi apart and give me rice. I was so hungry that day. <laughs> I felt so bad. At this point at dinner, the youngest daughter says she wants to play good thing, bad thing, which is a game where they just take turns telling each other a good and bad thing that happened to them that day. And the mage is like, oh, like the good thing is I met this wonderful woman. And the bad thing is she stabbed me in the back. <laughs> <laughs> he has some good comic timing in this episode. Yeah, I thought so too. The oldest daughter uses this as an opportunity to bring up that sleepover. And she says, moving forward, she's going to lie like Robin. Robin's the middle child. And Robin's like, I don't lie. I just know when to shut up. And Polly mm -hmm. says, well, that's the same thing as lying. It's only the truth when you tell the whole story. And the major like chokes on his salad after hearing that. I wish it was Polly from Rocky instead of her. <laughs> He's just dating Burgess Meredith. <laughs> <laughs> I already got to watch. Happy birthday, Polly. The Marines are bums. Why do you keep going to Mickey? I said Polly. Oh, why did I go to Mickey? Yeah. Oh, if it's Polly, it's way more fun. <laughs> I went to the robot. Well, the robot's where you have to go when you think of Polly. Major Dad is the robot. It's a way better show. I mean, that's not that far away years-wise, I think. So the sex robot has left Polly. It has gotten an AI. It has become sentient. It is self-aware. It becomes a journalist. And then it falls in love with an army major. And also somehow produces three children. In the words of Ferg, take my money. When he does that choking on the salad bit, she's like, okay, speak up. And he says, you know, how I went out of my way to tell you the full story. And then you boiled it down to, 
Camp Singleton, School of Infantry or Factory of Death. And the daughters are all like, ooh. Uh, and then one, I think Robin's like, Shamola. <laughs> like, that's. I did enjoy Shamola. The oldest daughter, too. She's one of the girls from uh, Wet Hot American Summer, oddly enough. Oh, really? Yeah. Polly says if he felt that he was misrepresented, she'll come back to the base and let him do a follow up in his own words, which he agrees to. And then the oldest daughter brings up the sleepover again. And the major's like, oh, that's easy. You want a sleepover? Mom wants an adult? Move the sleepover here. And she's like, oh, yeah, that'll be great. And then she, like, picks up her hand and makes, like, a fake phone and goes, hey, Mala, remember that sleepover we're going to have with no chaperone? Get this. We move it here and my mother will chaperone instead. Oh, boy. And then he takes the hand phone from her and goes, hello, Marla, your plans have been torpedoed. It's this or nothing. <laughs> the taking of the hand phone yeah, was, was fucking great. great. I really like that. It's funny, but it's fucking weird because this is the first time the major is meeting the kids. Imagine if a Marine just walked straight into your house as you was a kid and took your hand phone. (laughs) (laughs) It's torpedoed. It's kind of weird. Gordon, remember you kept texting me on my hand phone one letter at a time? I did so many hand minutes, you fucking asshole. <laughs> He's still doing it. Look at the chat for this fucking stream right now. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Mm-hmm. No, but my theory with that is he already is planning on this, like, engagement thing that's going to come up later, which we've already briefly discussed, and he's trying to um, show his worth as a father to her. No, oh, authoritarian. I can be a dad, too. But I don't think she's looking at it like that at all but she can at this point she don't know he's dropping little hints that's right i think he's just kind of naturally falling into it to be honest i don't think he was like auditioning to be dad at that point but it was just there's a conflict this is how you resolve it but yeah so we cut to the next day and the major and polly are sitting in like the mess hall area and she's explaining how she's you know got into this you know reporting in general and now she started as a freelancer and then once her husband died that's when she went full-time while they're having a conversation, we get like the quick gag too of the lieutenant who's like, oh, is it cool if I sit here? And they both just are completely ignoring him and he walks off. This is also the point of this episode too, where they're 15 minutes in and they're like, oh shit, we haven't explained anybody's backstory. Quickly throw as much exposition as possible. Where she's like, my husband died. Yeah. I read a newspaper, blah, blah. And he's like, I was a Bayou boy, Vietnam. That was weird. I'm 42. How old are you? Anyway, let's talk about next scene. Like it's so quick. Yeah. This is all stuff that didn't need to be rushed had they just picked up at a different uh, point. Yes, but it's an interview, so there would be information shared back right. and forth. Yeah, this one's not bad. It makes sense in the what they're doing for the interview. I just think they're rushing too much exposition about the characters for the episode right here. Well, I mean, he's not saying much. He's just explaining how he got into the military, like everything you had said. And really, other than that, he just, I mean, just talking about why he loves it so much. Which I think this part works, in all honesty, because it's an interview. So this part, this part works, and it moves the plot along, and end scene. I don't think it's a full interview, though, because she's giving him a bunch of information, too, which is not going to go in the interview. Yeah, but that's what you do when you, when you sit down and you, like, do that stuff. Yeah, get somebody to put their walls down. Exactly. You just, you know, tell them a little bit about me, tell them a little bit about you, you let the walls down, and then you can go and have a, have a conversation. And then during the conversation, uh, Major Smiley walks up and informs the two that the press matter has been taken care of, and he wrote an official rebuttal. And she's kind of like, they both jump up at first, but she pushes the Major back down, and she's like, I got this. She's being a little sarcastic with Smiley. She's like, oh, like, where is this going to be published? Like, the like 
uh, Marine Gazette or whatever she says. And that's when he's like, no, I called my colonel and he called your boss. And now it's going in tomorrow's Chronicle. So now she's fucking furious and asked McGillis what his opinion on the matter is. And to her surprise, he's siding with Major Smiley. It's like, what? He's just, you know, telling our side of the story, which, you know, you failed to do in the initial report. I feel like it would have been good here if he said, hello, Polly, your story's been torpedoed. Like, I feel like we could have done that joke again. <laughs> he still has the hand phone. <laughs> He's like, oh, I have a back pocket. Sorry. Give us back to your daughter for me. And like, Polly's pretty pissed at this point. And she's like, you know, I'm not going to let like a bunch of like you, whatever is like, bully me around and tell me what I can and can't write and takes off. And from there, we cut to the next scene, which is the sleepover, like later that night. And it did make its way to Polly's house after all. And there's like, uh, I think it was like eight girls that are all sitting in the living room and they got snacks and face masks on and they're joking. Uh, much as we all did as young boys having sleepovers. 1989, they're watching Dial MTV. Yeah, uh, do you remember that? Was it, there was a board game girl talk, right? With like the phones. Green yes, oh, yeah, I remember seeing commercials. That yeah. was an old board game back then too. Gordo had it. I actually had to think for a moment. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've seen that, and I see Mall Madness occasionally still, too, if you're at, like, thrift stores or junk shops or whatever, but they never have all the pieces where, like, I would love to play Mall Madness with everybody here. Like, that'd be a really fun thing, but it's so hard to buy a used board game where you're, like, yeah. you don't yeah. know if all the stuff's going to be there. Which one was Mall Madness? I remember, I don't remember, I never played it because it was just commercials we saw all the time, but I think it's set up, like, it might be, like, Monopoly, but you buy stores? Hmm. Oh. If any of our listeners have actually played Mall Madness circa 1991 or whatever, let us know. What if it's like Risk? Then I don't want to play. Then you would love it, and none of us are going to play it with you. I don't want to play for 20 <laughs> Although hours. Although he said it's like Monopoly, and I don't want to play that, because that also takes three hours. Also true. Dude, it makes Monopoly not take that long, though. This many people playing it. Yeah, and you, and you cut some side deals, and then things kind of, they move forward. We should do a live stream Monopoly. Jeez. That would get That violent. I can't flip the table and rage. <laughs> no, 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 no. Our telethon, we do Risk. No, I don't want to play Risk. <laughs> I don't want to have a telethon. Why are we having a telethon? Wait a minute. <laughs> so hold on. So back to the sleepover, the doorbell rings, and they all scream and run off. Is this just because they don't want anyone to see them in their face masks? I think so. I think this is like a self-preservation scream. That's when the middle daughter, Robin, uh, she gets left behind, so she's the one who eventually opens the door. And we see the major in his full formal attire. I don't know. Again, yeah. the, the official... I think dress blues is the terminology. Yeah, I think that's what That's what called. Major Payne wears on their date. Yeah. Yeah, dress blues. When he kills Bam Bam Bigelow. That's later. That was a yeah, different point. Um, anyways, he sees Robin with the face mask on. He goes, What's up, Night Recon? They do fit a, a good amount of funny army jokes into this. Or marine jokes. I don't want like people to military jokes. She tells him, Do you want to see a bunch of teenage girls die? And she calls out, Wrong address, you can come out now. And all the girls like walk out and then see this man standing there and again just scream and run away. And you get like a little high five between the two. Like they uh they must be bonding quick though. Yeah, they've bonded quickly. Such a Becky move. Polly heads up from like upstairs because of all the noise going on and sees the major standing there and asks if he lost his parade. And that's when he holds out some flowers and he was like, for you, ma'am. I think this is a good juxtaposition, though, to like, again, do the fish out of water opposites attract story. She comes down in jean shorts and a T-shirt. He's in his full dress uniform. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're giving you like the visual contrast as much as they can right here. Yeah, but also, to be fair, she's at a sleepover. Well, yes, but well, she's not at a sleepover. She's she's home, and there's a sleepover happening at her house. Yeah, no, like, she's dressed appropriately for her situation. Yeah, she's just dressed like she would dress at eight p.m. on a Tuesday. So was he? What? 
So is he. He's dressed appropriate for the situation, too. I think that's his courting attire. That's the situation. But she's not expecting that. Her situation is, I'm home with a bunch of teenage girls. I just ate a bunch of salad. I'm going to go upstairs and watch Dynasty. Take a dump. (laughs) (laughs) Some good roughage. Made you poop. Okay. (laughs) Oh, come on. Fuck you, Gordo. (laughs) I just want to point out, you got Joe to laugh at a poop joke. You did. It's rare, but you fucking got it. You son of a bitch. What are we, 111 episodes in? (laughs) I just didn't expect it. It was more of a caught off guard. (laughs) So the major and Polly head over to the kitchen so they can keep talking. And while they're heading there, he notes that he saw like a write up she did in today's paper. So he's like, oh, at least, you know, this whole situation didn't cost you your job. And she starts explaining to him, like, you know, this article I did on you guys was my first shot at doing real news. And now because of everything that's happening, all of a sudden I'm stuck covering the San Clemente Garlic Festival. She deserves it. Got a friggin' hit piece on him. He's been nothing but nice to her since day one. I would love to go to a garlic festival, by the way. That sounds amazing. I was just going to say, me too. Oh, the smell from miles away. I like garlicky food. I like Italian food. A whole festival of garlic, though, that seems a bit overkill. Yeah, well, I don't think it's just like, (laughs) just tables full of garlic. I'm (laughs) sure it's just like garlic-infused meals and dishes and stuff like that. Well, no, I came to the wrong event. Oh, sabotage. Ah, <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Leslie Nielsen. That's who you go to. <laughs> the only Dracula. That's <laughs> your first Dracula. The only you Dracula. You know what? I approve. After he murdered B. Arthur, he <laughs> died at a free yeah. garlic festival accident. Uh. So, uh, <laughs> to, to go back. The major's explains her, you know, the core may be a little sensitive about their image, but don't forget, it wasn't that long ago when people were spitting at us. And, you know, everyone thinks that we love war, but we hate it. You know, that's why we do what we do. And she's like, it's so weird. I'm like, I'm moved, but also I don't agree with the word you said. I kind of understand this too, though, because you remember too, like, it's so weird because we're so far removed from it, but we're like only 10 years, give or take, out from the Vietnam War ending. Right. And like, that's a, his, that's probably the most, I mean, a thousand percent is the most like un like not un unanimous people weren't all behind it war. Right. It's like, like right. World War II, everyone was like, go kill Hitler. Like everyone got, Vietnam was like a huge issue. And even the vets coming back. Was everybody John Lovitz? Go kill Hitler. <laughs> Don't play Hitler's harmonica. Go kill Hitler. Hitler's a big horny bird. <laughs> <laughs> so the major gets to talking a little bit more. And you can see he's getting nervous. He's kind of stumbling over his words a bit. He doesn't quite know what to say, but Polly can kind of detect that he's trying to tell her that he likes her. And then he goes right for it and then asks her to marry her. And she just starts bursting out laughing. Which is a reasonable reaction. Yeah, I was going to say, very appropriate. And she's like, oh, that's a really good joke. He's like, it's not a joke. And she starts laughing even harder. And then Even more appropriate. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's fair. And And also I think it makes her... Very likable in this moment. She seems like just very like genuine. I never found her likable in this episode at any point. She's just so mean. You just you, she just lost you with the salad thing. Yeah, I really think it's all residual. Uh, it's not salad residual hate. salad hate. <laughs> <laughs> You're being just too roughage on her. She's just a little green to the situation. Yeah, leave her alone. <laughs> Pudding. Pudding. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, he continues on by saying, you know, sometimes in a firefight, the moment just crystallizes and you, you know what to do. See, see the hill, take the hill. She's like, oh, so romantic. Well, it works on hills. I often think that we need to all get a tattoo that's something that represents our bond in this podcast. And I really love the idea of us all having the three words works on hills just <laughs> randomly tattooed on it. I am not getting a major dad tattoo. Well, that's because you're a major bummer. <laughs> that's not helping anybody right now. I thought we were all going to get it. So if we peel down our bottom lip, it said horny Frank. <laughs> I'd be okay with a horny Frank. I mean, I would get a horny Frank tattoo. I would get a horny Frank. We have brought up step by step so many times this episode. So, you know, she tells him she doesn't think he knows what he's saying. And does he really want to commit to a woman that he just met who doesn't agree with anything he stands for and has three children? It's like, you're right. Forget it. And he stands up and she's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. <laughs> I thought that was really good. I thought the timing on that was really good. Yeah, I think they have very good chemistry together. Uh, Ferg disagrees. Ferg just made Tina Belcher noise and didn't say anything. She's like, I'll be honest. You know, the thought did cross my mind. And I was like, it did? Like, yeah. Like, what? what? At what point was she thinking about the two of them getting married? I don't want to be crass. And I know that comes up a lot of these things, but like, you don't marry somebody you don't have sex with first. What if that dude's got a super weird dick? What if he just has, (laughs) she has a vagina that he does not like? Like, you get into a situation where like, oh, now we're married? I mean, there was a point in time where it was very common for people to not fornicate until the, the wedding. Oh, that's an old wives tale, Clark. That is just what they tell us about history. Everybody was, people were blowing each other on the Titanic. Like, everybody was having sex always. You at least saw the dong. This episode would have been better. <laughs> Let me see the dong. Put, you know, pee-pee in pee-pee. But you definitely saw. Pee-pee in pee-pee? Put pee-pee in pee-pee? <laughs> yeah. I think he means P and V, but it's going on. Pee-pee in pee-pee. Nope, they're not both called pee-pee. They're not? You put the no. P in the V. Or the A. <laughs> but either way, you see, you know, what what happens if she has like BL on some teas? No, what if she has like one large like <laughs> nipple? That's what I'm saying. Like they should he shouldn't like what? I want to marry you, but first what? let's walk into this half bath. Let's all take our clothes off. On the count of three, we'll turn around. If I don't like your dong or you don't like my nipples or whatever, <laughs> we'll call it off. But let's first and make sure that nothing's here. What if he got his dick fucked up in an a tank accident in Vietnam. We have no idea. The tank actually shot his dick instead of a missile. What what kind of accident could you have with a tank that only your dick got fucked up? You were asleep on your side while it was flopped out in the tread <laughs> over it. I've thought of this before. It's a bad scenario. <laughs> tread dick. It has tank treads across it. Yeah. It looks like the Bon Jovi Slippery One Wet album cover. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, what happens if he was coming out of a Viet Cong tunnel, he was completely nude, Dick first. and just at the exact same time, a tank was coming, and it rolled over his pee-pee, and now he has pancake pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> so they can only have sex at breakfast, or occasionally, once a month no, at night? No, he's got to turn to the side. <laughs> Semper Fi, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for your service, everybody. So... She says, what if we just work our way up to this? Like, maybe start with a date. (laughs) I literally thought of a joke. I laughed so hard. (laughs) You laughed so hard at a joke you thought of on your own in your head? Yes, sir. Will you give me tread? (laughs) (laughs) 
I quit. I quit. Enough. <laughs> All right, and then there's like five more episodes of the show. All right, guys, let's green light a kiss. No. <laughs> um, oh, my God. So, yeah, after she brings up, why don't we go on a date? Uh, he's like, well, we can consider when we first met our first date. You know, I met your family. We had a fight. We're there. And then he's like, are you afraid of marrying a Marine? And she's like emotional and like crying. And like she says that she's terrified. Is this because she's already a widow? I mean, I never thought of it that deeply, but that's a good a good way of looking at it, right? She's lost a husband. Now she's going to marry this guy who could go to war. Yeah. And he's a lifer, right? He's like an army or Marine lifer. He's a military lifer. Right. If there's a war, he's going. I just thought it took, like, a weird emotional turn right there, like, where all of a sudden she's, like, in tears, like, fearful of the situation. Like, I don't know. It, it like, it, it, they both show good acting here and, like, good emotion, but, like, I felt like it was a little off for it for that to kind of pop up out of nowhere that way. I just think she was thinking about how crazy it is to marry a guy she just met and had no chemistry with this whole time. I think she's had good chemistry with him. Yeah. I think they have good chemistry. From the dip, that, that dip scene, like, she's, like, she was smitten He waltzed her and it was on. Maybe she's thinking about how he could snap her neck if she says no. Break her back if she says yes. <laughs> With his pancake dick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know, for the last 20 years, the core has been my life. And the only thing that she needs to know about him is, you know, when the road gets rough, you know, look beside you and that's where I'll be. Bullshit. Because she needed him to be by her side when the other general uh, major went behind her back and he sided with him. First fight. There's no loyalty there. But it was the first fight. They had their first dinner together. That ain't him being by her side when she needed him. That's a red flag. Say no. Well, she says, you know, this is all crazy. You know, I've never even kissed you. And he takes his gloves off and he's like, easy fix. And then they have a big old kiss. Missed opportunity. He should have hit her with the same dip from the office at that point and then kissed her. True. They, that would have been a good callback. He could have spun her around, gave her the dip, and then kissed her. One of the only notes I took, and I lost the note. <laughs> uh, I like that he has uh, any other first we need to take care of. My man. Yeah. Because, yeah, again, get naked, make sure everything's okay. Then, if you're simpatico, go for it. Yeah. Uh, to, to make sure, you know, one of Gordo's big turnoffs, one big nipple. You want to make sure that's, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, if they're two big nipples, at least they're symmetrical. But if you had like one normal sized nipple and one large nipple, you can't tell me that you wouldn't be weirded out by that. Who's to say what normal is? Maybe the big one is normal to some people and the little one's abnormal. What if she has no nipples at all? I don't know the nipple situation of all of our listeners, and we're not here to discriminate. Whatever nipples you have are fine. Um, send them all to Gordo, and he'll he's doing nipple ratings all week. You can't tell yeah. people to send their nipples to him. <laughs> yeah, I know. You can't tell people to send me titty pictures. Well, I didn't say women specifically. It could be anybody. Well, well I get titties. Like, if I send <laughs> you a picture of my nipples, like, those are, those are attached to my titties. Okay. Uh, Moving on. <laughs> I got nipples, Greg. Could you melt me? Yeah. We've got into our meet the parents uh, portion of the episode. You got a whole bunch of mums. So the major's like, okay, let's make this official. And he unfolds like a handkerchief, puts a knee down, and asks again for her to marry him. And we don't get like the actual answer. She's just kind of like holding her hand out. And we cut to the music is scored in a way that sounds kind of like the Wedding March song. The show's called Major Dad. There was no cliffhanger there. Yeah, I think we all know, but I, I like that they didn't have to hammer it over your head where she was like, yes, yes. Like, just like, yep, yeah, now we can just go into this next episode. They could have went in, they could have ended on another kiss. I thought it was going to end with the, the kids were listening at the door and fall in in the little window. 
One of them could have walked in with the face mask to get some chips and like screamed and ran away again. <laughs> well, they could have fallen in and been like, are you going to marry the major? And he goes, major dad. And, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and then the episode ends. Like, that would have worked. Affirmative. Vast improvement. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that was the end of that episode. It kind of fades out from there. And um, that was the conclusion of the show. It kind of... Um, easy one to get through with standard sitcom as we said earlier yeah i don't i don't i tried reading up to see if there was like other notes and things i could find about the show but it, it's kind of one of those forgotten in time shows so there wasn't like a lot to find about it this comes from a time where there were just so many good just sitcoms like this an empty nest and uh dear john like there were just sitcom 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 every channel had four or five sitcoms on every night and that's why we can do this podcast until we're all dead because there are so many sitcoms out there and some of them like this are forgotten but lasted for so like four 90 almost 100 episodes is a long run you know i know we we you do 100 plus episodes and you think it's a lot but we haven't even scratched the surface really i've said it before i think i said it on here not long ago the amount of times people have said to me just outside in real yeah. life like oh how like how long do you think you could go doing that before you run out of tv shows like run out of tv shows we'll never run out of tv shows yeah like tv sitcom started in the mid 50s and it's now 2023 we have a lot there's a hundred sitcoms on the air right now i'm sure yeah that's two years worth of podcasts right and some are mid-season replacements some will only last an episode right. or two like those all count you know we could go a year of just doing shows that are like active in 2023 you know and now, too, we're also getting the weird thing, too, where it's like Roseanne comes back, but then Roseanne morphs into the Connors. And that's technically a different show. Like Fuller House is a different show than Full House. Like we're seeing all this stuff happen, you know. Those are weird lines. And I, I mean, I guess we have a little time to pivot where we got through this a little quicker than normal. But those shows are always so tricky. Like, when is it really a spinoff and when is it the same show with a new name? If Golden Palace is its own show, then those are their own show. Golden Palace injected new characters and a new surrounding and stuff more than the Connors does. The Connors is literally just Roseanne without Roseanne in it. Fuller House had new people. We got to meet Jimmy Gibbler. Yeah, Full, Fuller House added new characters and changed the dynamic a little bit. Like, it's enough of a different show. And not everybody lives there and people come in and out from the old show, whereas the Connors is just the whole cast and, like, two new people. Added, um... What's her name from Married with Children, right? Yep, and uh, and Darlene's got a husband, and they're like she's got Jackie kids. got married too. Jackie yeah. got married, and she has she has a husband. The Connors is very good. I don't know if it's gonna make it. I think it got some bad ratings this season, and the writers' strike. I don't know if we'll see it, which I hate because you want to have a real season finale for that stuff. So I know a show like that deserves it. They they had for what it's worth, they like they had a decent run for a show that you thought was just gonna go away when Roseanne. Got Can you canceled. imagine if they ended it like? They end it like original Roseanne, only Roseanne wasn't dead the whole time, and it, this time it's uh, Dan's dream. I would love that, but that also means we get to see a Steven Seagal episode, which would be way funnier in 2023 than it was in 1997. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, again, we, we tackle this whole episode, so there's not a lot left to do other than get to the Green Letter cancel. I feel like I don't have to ask, and I know how every person here is going to vote today, but we'll go in order. Gordo, I'm going to start with you. Oddly... I know I'm going to be with Joe on this. Um, this is a green light, believe it or not. I actually want to see the next episode to see what happens. Because the cliffhanger, even though it's not supposed to work on me, and I know he becomes Major Dad, I want to see the follow-up. It wasn't bad. It was just a standard sitcom. You know, you could sit down. It's not really 
anything that you have to really pay attention to. It's kind of background noise. Funny enough, the, the major dad was good. Like the, the characters are good. I want I like the chemistry. Weird writing for sure, but the cliffhanger, I, j I just want to see the follow-up, so I just want to see the next episode. Um, I feel like the same thing happened to me with, like, The Good Place, right? Like, intriguing enough, but, you know, left on such a cliffhanger that I really, really want to watch episode two. So, green light for me. Bird, hard cancel for me. This show is dog shit. <laughs> I didn't laugh once, like, even once. So usually, like, when I hate a show, at least there'll be, like, a joke that makes me, like... <laughs> Like, laugh a little bit, not even once. I thought most of the characters were unlikable. The only character I actually liked was that middle daughter. She was pretty funny. And, like, she reminded me of Becky from, um, no, Darlene. She's the middle daughter on... Darlene. Roseanne. Darlene, yeah. So I liked her, but I couldn't stand the whole, like... I, I didn't... This, um... What's it called? Chemistry you guys keep talking about. I didn't see that. And furthermore, the fact that he just proposed to her where I agree with Nick that it should have been done in a flashback later or it should have been they had to go somewhere. Like maybe he takes her to like a marine like dinner, like an event and they drink too much there and they get married or something like that. The fact that he just proposes to her after knowing her for two days and in those two days she stabbed him in the back. There's no reason for that. So unfortunately I'm going to cancel this terrible show. Fuck you, Joe. All right, so Ferg hates the military. Nick, what's up? I really disliked the way they wrote this. Like, I thought it was super, super rushed. Like, I had, I've discussed this already. But having said that, I really like Gerald McRaney. He is, that is his name, Gerald McRaney? Yeah. I really enjoyed his presence on this. I couldn't dislike more the way they progressed this part of the story because I feel like it was truly unnecessary to do it this way. But having said that, I want to see more of him. I'm not a huge fan of the the misses here, but I can see him making that uh, better. I'm going to green light it because I'm kind of with Gordo here. I want to see where this goes how they I wish it started on the second episode because it really pisses me off how they did the first one but there's enough there with the characters that I do want to see how it progresses so I am going to green light Joe I really liked getting to go a little later in this because it was really interesting to hear everybody else's I mean I assumed Berg wasn't going to like it. I didn't expect him to say it was complete dog shit. Uh, I was surprised that Corner did like it. Like I said at the beginning, I love just capital S sitcoms. It's a warm, it's a warm bath to me. Like these are comforting. They're fun. They're quick. I think the chemistry and the writing was really good. I think this is the kind of sitcom they don't make anymore. And I think that's also what makes it appealing. And this is another one of those ones where I'm like, I could see myself totally just rewatching all of this because this is the kind of show that can be on in the background while you're doing something else and you don't feel like totally pulled in or you have to, you know, you look up and you laugh at a joke and you sort of know what's going on in the background. It's a green light. I liked it as a kid. I like it as an adult. Well, uh, I am very surprised with the scoring so far. I was 100% confident that going into this, it was going to be Joe is the only one who greenlit it until my vote. But no, we're already at a point where, it's, where it has been greenlit, but so my vote doesn't count at this point. But to go on, I'm greenlighting it as well. Um, I, I did enjoy it. I, I'm like Joe. I really like a classic sitcom, like the just the old style of sitcom. I thought that the characters were fleshed out well enough. I, I did think the two had really good chemistry. And I, I'll be honest, I don't lean towards a lot of like military based type shows and stuff isn't normally my brand of humor, but I did like this one a lot. And yeah, I think that's, the, you know, 
the the two main characters. I, I think I, I'm sorry, I don't know the actress's name who played Polly off the top of my head. Shana Reed. Shana. Uh, Shana. Shana Reed. I thought she was a great counter to him. I thought she had a lot of personality, and I think a lot of shows like this at that time didn't give the female lead that much, especially when the show is titled after just the guy. So um, I thought she was like a great counter for him, and. I don't know. It was just, it was a fun watch. And I definitely went into it thinking I was going to hate it. So it's not like I went in wanting to like it. And sometimes you kind of go in with a preconceived notion and you follow it. I thought I was going to dislike the show. So um, four out of five for Major Dad, which I did not expect. Um, I, I 100% thought me and Joe were going to be the only two to green light it. I thought so too. I thought this was going to be either one green light or two green lights at the most. Yeah. But look at that. So, uh, yeah, so congratulations to Major Dad. You live on to see episode two. Again, I want to remind everyone to go to s1e1pod.com. Again, s1e1pod.com. That's where you can find all the links, where to listen to us, our social medias. s1e1pod on Twitter and Instagram. Hit us up, talk to us. We enjoy talking to you guys, learning about you, where, you know, where our listeners come from, and all these different things kind of help us form the show that we think you guys want to hear. So by all means, uh, get in touch. We, we like talking to you guys. But that's it. That's all the time we have for this week. Catch you again next week for another new episode. Thanks, guys, for listening. Catch you then. Goodbye. We got the best trancers.